Welcome to Iconic, where we talk about all things 13th Age. I'm your host, JM, and with me as always are Nick and Mark. Hello. Hey. We have a great episode for you this week, um, but before we get into that, we have a guest host today. Uh, with us today is Becca. Becca, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Becca is um, plays in our 13th Age game at the store, yep. uh, has played in a couple of other 13th Age games with us. I play in her fifth edition game and we had a couple of topics that i thought becca would be a perfect guest host for so welcome to iconic thank you so much so before we get into our topic this week what is new in gaming well um my party in my numenera game that i'm running they have final uh, have started their final push through the end of or toward the end of this this final um penultimate arc that they're working on and they are realizing that it's a little bit more challenging than what they had prepared themselves for so it will be interesting to see how this plays out, if and who anyone survives. And I mean, players sometimes have a self-inflated sense of importance and, and, and ability. The heroes of Harrowdale should be known throughout the Dragon Empire by now. <laughs> preach, preach, preach. Haven't most of them died? Hey. There's, there's three left. There's three and a half. Yeah. One is Warforged, so. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't count anymore. I don't know what, I don't know why that would be so funny, like, the day after we played 13th Age. Yes. Please continue. <laughs> and, and that brings us, and that brings us into uh, the 13th Age game, uh, just as a way of update Maris, for the second combat has almost died. And I'm left wondering how am I playing this cleric wrong, and uh, so I need I think I need to tweak a little bit of my uh, strategy, if you will, and maybe have a few words with other players that I, as help. The, as the GM who is completely <laughs> impartial uh-huh. in this, uh-huh. in this <laughs> scenario, you definitely need to talk to the other players <laughs> and maybe not step up in front. Yes, and uh, I had made a choice to take the uh, improved initiative feat because I kept rolling horribly, and then I'm like at the front of the initiative order, and I'm realizing that's not the best place for a cleric to be. You may so, want to retrain that at level yeah, four. Yeah, I, I may do that. Um, and then in the Pathfinder game that I'm playing in, I lost my arm. <laughs> Sorry. Which I think is like the third campaign that I've been playing in where my character has lost its arm, and as third, a... Third campaign that I have been running that you have been playing in. Apart from the 13th age one, where yesterday I just kept wondering, is Maris going to lose her arm? It's like, I'm okay if she dies. I just don't want her to lose her arm. Challenge anyway, accepted. Hoping that uh, either he'll be able to learn to fight left-handed or find some sort of magical implement that will let him wield his mighty sword again. That's right. This is this is also the second of the three characters who you have designed specifically as a either a two-weapon fighter or a two-handed weapon fighter who has, within the first three sessions, lost one of the requirements for wielding two weapons or a two-handed weapon at the same time. It has been years since I played a fighter. I want to play a fighter. This and is, I keep getting, like, I want to say hamstrung, but that's legs, not arms. Yeah. And yeah. I, I would like to say, in both cases, it was not me. <laughs> True. It was either, it was bad rolls it every was, single time. It was bad rolls every single time. Mark, what about you? <clears throat> well, I'm sorry to say I missed the 13th age game because I have a berserker that would have been in front. Um, yeah, maybe we need to have a, a talk to some of the group of, hey, here's a description of your character. This is your job. <laughs> Maris shouldn't be the first one to engage the Colossus. We, we, we could also maybe say, hey, here's the <clears throat> schedule. Show up 
Mr. Berserker? <laughs> oh, no, I was at a wedding, so I would have showed up if I could have. So. Well, let's let's also, I mean, that whole party is kind of a little skewed because our monk ends up being the tank. Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> Believe me, I don't have a problem with my Berserker. I want to get out there and trigger yeah. all of those and... and I yeah. think it'll be a fun character. Ne- next yeah. next session, we'll you'll see. be fine. Yeah. We'll so see. what about you, Mark? What's uh, the and then the, the one I'm running, because of the some work engagements that not everybody could make it, um, my Dark Eye game, they went into a crypt, fought a mummy that I plussed up as an ancient king, defeated it. They've come out. What they don't realize is they basically got pulled into like a limbo bubble. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be two years later. Nice. And things have changed. And they're like, oh, what? So, yeah. We'll see how that plays out. <laughs> All your stuff is gone. Your horses were sold. You've been gone for two years, dude. Well, like a almost like a Barrow Downs kind of thing, where if you got sucked into the dream, who knows when you would have come back. Yeah. So, Becca, what's new in gaming for you, or what, what would you like to share about your gaming habits? Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm in the 13th Age store game as well, and it's been a lot of fun. And I do always question why I, as the monk, am the tank and killing everything. It's fine. Because you killed a fire giant. I did kill all by yourself. All by myself. I killed a couple cultists this time. It was nice. And I couldn't get to Maris the cleric otherwise. And then I, as Jaya mentioned, I run a fifth edition game. And that is a an interesting game in that I prepare about 17 different things and then my players go somewhere else. Yep. <laughs> so I never know what is going to happen next. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed every session of the game, even the okay. one that I showed up to deathly ill and still don't remember much of it. But I remember having fun. It's in my It hands. was. It was a lot of fun. And then you also wrote down, kill all of Becca's characters. So. Which I'm slowly working on. I you think, are. I think something happened that I need to work out. <laughs> well, let's see. Um, Pathfinder game, the one that Nick and mm. Becca play in. Uh, yep. Uh, they, they didn't poke around where they should not have been going. Speaking of cl- players doing something that you did not expect. I told them not to. I just want to get that out. And uh, Nick's Nick's character, uh, who's the son of a, another character from this campaign, because I've been running the Tanar for like over a decade. So we're now seeing like the children of player characters actually showing up in, in the world. Touched a prison cube that they did not know was a prison cube. And Becca had to cut Nick's character's arm off. Only for literally five minutes later, someone else figuring out how to remove somebody from the prison cube, and the other person who was stuck got out scot-free. Yeah. And then they might have horribly, horribly made some bad decisions. It was awesome. Basically, that's the name of this campaign. <laughs> let's let's get together and roll dice and make bad decisions. Um, yeah. 13th Age game was going well uh, at the store. I really enjoyed it. Uh, again, I'll do another shout-out. I know that I did this on Google+, Plus, but... I used all of Aaron's monsters from his Patreon, uh, actually, for that fight, the fight that's coming up, and then the final little bit of the arc towards Glitterhagen. They're all Aaron's monsters, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed running them. They were they were a lot of fun. Um, let's see what else. I, oh, uh, this week I start my. I feel like we're talking we're iconic, but you know I'm starting a RuneQuest Glorantha game this week, which is going to be a lot of fun, and I've got my Jackals game coming back, so. We'll see how that goes. Playtests continue to go well. I'm looking forward to kind of seeing how this first adventure plays out, and we'll go from there. But let's introduce our co-host real quick. So I'm just going to ask you, like, one quick question. So how did you get into into role-playing games, and then what what about what do you like about 13th Age? And then we'll get into the topic for, for the 
the session. Okay. Um, well, I've played board games forever, um, but I didn't do role-playing games until saw some things online. It looked really fun. Coerced a whole bunch of friends into playing with me under the guise of saying it would help my creative writing. And now three years later, they're stuck with me. And then I keep finding more games to join. So, yeah, I've, I mean, I've only been doing this for three years. I feel like such a young one. Um, when it comes to 13th age, I don't know. I really I really like the role playing aspect of things. Um, and so having the one unique thing, having backgrounds, having icons that all manipulate the role playing aspect of it. Uh, it. It's really appealing. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. So this week we're covering Fantasy Grounds. So Fantasy Grounds has recently put out some 13th Age content, and Becca has played around with Fantasy Grounds. Nick has played around with Fantasy Grounds. Mark mm-hmm. and I have all kind of played around with it. So we figured we would give you our take on it and kind of tell you what it is, whether, you know, what we think about it, where you can get it, why you might want to get it. And it's just a 13th Age product that you may not even be aware of kind of exists. So we'll get into it and we'll just kind of chat through it. So Fantasy Grounds is what they refer to as a virtual tabletop. It is a program for having a bunch of people, your gaming group, if they're scattered across the country or the world, you can all log in and play as if you were sitting around the table. Now, Mark, you brought up that you you would use this even at the table, even if everybody was there, like kind of put it up on a screen, right? I would use it as a GM just to organize all the player stuff because if you ever looked at it, the way you can manipulate all the player stuff and like you said, make your secret roles because you've got all their stats, it, it's wonderful. Without mm-hmm. even showing the player stuff, just having that so tool you for you, just, just like for your GM tool. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, you can use the map portion too and show them. I've seen people do that, build it into game tables. But just having that tool to organize everything. Yeah. You know, instead of three by five cards and mm-hmm. shuffling and figuring out and it's all right there. It's so, all right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah. And so so Fantasy Grounds, you will you would download this client. So it's just like a regular program and it would allow you to connect actually pretty easily. It assigns an alias to the GM computer and the GM just says, Hey, here's the login information and you just put it in and you you're in the game. And it handles everything for you. Maps. It allows you to build characters. It automates all the roles. It does a lot of the behind-the-scenes math for you. Um, as Mark said, some, one of the things I really like is it allows for secret roles. It allows for party checks. So I can say, all right, I want I want everyone to make essentially, you know, I'm going to make an attack on everybody's MD, but I don't want them to know about it. Well, you can just go to the party sheet and have it all automated there for you. And on the GM side. We'll get into this a little later, but it automates a lot of things. So you can click on a monster, click on a PC, have it roll, do the damage, and apply it to the PC all in, all with one roll. But that's kind of what they mean by a virtual tabletop. It does everything you would normally have at the table. It's got a lot of similar functionality to a lot of the other things that you may be already using. I mean, there are there are a number of different virtual tabletops that you could use, Roll20 being one of them. Character management, maps, tactical combat, die rolling, it's all kind of... Now, Nick and Becca, you've been playing in a game that I've been running. Mm -hmm. So what are your impressions having played in a game run on Fantasy Grounds? Uh, Well, it was kind of my first foray into virtual tabletop. Um, Did a lot of just in-person things. Uh, And so it's, yeah, it's a steep learning curve, but... 
it was really nice to see everything that is automated. How little I had to work in some aspects because um, I could just drag and click and drop and say this is what I want to roll and this is what the modifier is and it's done for me. Um, but yeah, it was. It did take me just kind of messing around on it by myself for quite a, some time to figure it out just because I didn't know where things were and what's what. But once you get that far and you start playing with other people and see things and talking to them going, wait, where is this? It's, it's pretty nice. So that brings up an interesting question. Is the learning curve for fantasy grounds any steeper than the learning curve for actually like figuring out where things are at in like a physical book? And it probably isn't because yeah, like if I think about my players and how long it has taken them to actually figure out how things work in a game, it's probably very similar than to how long it, well, how it has taken me to figure out this virtual tabletop mm-hmm. system. It, yeah, it just struck me because we, we all have that initial learning curve of, okay, hold on, wait. I know I saw it somewhere. Yeah. Where is it? Um, Nick, what are your thoughts? I mean, because we've used a couple of different virtual tabletops in our in our gaming experience. What what do you think about Fantasy Grounds? Uh, going back to what you were saying about um, is there a different lear- learning curve with Fantasy Grounds versus just sitting down at a table and playing? Um, I would say that there is because you're learning both the game mm. and the software. Mm-hmm. And, okay. um, you know, you could sit down and be completely familiar with the game and you still would have a learning curve to go through to understand the software. That's fair. And asking, where do I go to click on this? Or, you know, what key combination do I have to, to do in order to be able to access this? Or I, I think one of the things that we ran into for a while there was like, how do I get my token onto the map? You know, yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> and, take a, um, mm-hmm. You're just figuring out some of the, those sort of things. I, I liked it. Um, I like it. I've played in a couple of different VTTs. And I'd say that this one has probably the most like real table feel to it. Um, I like the fact that it's a, a client um, and uh, it seems to be less strenuous on my internet connection. Um, and I, I like how customizable it is. You know. Well, and that brings up an interesting point. Unlike other, some other VTTs, this is literally just the table. This is the table, the rule books. If the, G, if the GM or you, or you as the player have bought the rule modules, you have access to all of that. It does not do sound. It does not do video. You you have to do that through some other medium. And I'd say that one advantage that I've seen in virtual tabletops um, and compared to actually playing at the table um, is in when it comes to text, like being able to whisper a question or a comment to the GM or another player, um, some of that metagaming that's our characters aren't even together, but the players need to work together to solve this solution. They're able to kind of whisper together mm-hmm. um, in that channel without realizing, without interrupting the overall flow of everything. Um, and then also in Fantasy Grounds, being able to define what languages you know and communicating in those languages. So I don't speak Elven. I'm a dwarf. And I'm seeing this chat thread and it's all in Elvish and I don't know what's going on. You just know people are talking around you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it then forces me to in in character 
engage what's going on. What did you read? What did that letter mm-hmm. say? Or what was these right. markings on the map? So there are so certain things that I find there's a little bit more immersion into the game when you're using that virtual uh, tabletop than when you're actually at the, at a table. Well, that, that was one of the things we were poking around with last night. Like you can set a mood. So everything oh, yeah. you say says angrily or mm-hmm. frustrated, or you can emote you know, type in emotes that you can be doing while people are doing other things just to continue to kind of immerse yourself in the, in the, in the role-playing aspects of things. So Mark, you haven't actually played in a game on fantasy grounds, but you have played around with fantasy grounds. What are kind of your initial thoughts and feedback on that? Uh, well, to just pile on what they said too, I did feel it was a little steep learning curve. What I did like is our links on their site, that go, hey, you can go and read this and they'll mm-hmm. step-by-step show you how to do stuff. I would definitely say you need to know 13th Age somewhat before you mm-hmm. dive in. If you're trying to learn the game and this, you'll miss stuff just because you have to create your character. And it's not like when you have the rule book and you can kind of flip through and look at You need to know what you want to do. But once it's created, I thought it was great. Yeah. And I and I will say that, and I don't think it's necessarily a detriment. Um, I have played in other... I. So I, I, I like Fantasy Grounds. Let's just put that out there. And I should say, I should have said this at the beginning, we are reviewing uh, the 13th Age module, just the modules that have been gifted to the show by Fantasy Grounds. So thank you. So this review is partially sponsored by Fantasy Grounds. Uh, but I have Call of Cthulhu. I have Castles and Crusades. I've got Pathfinder. I've got 5th Edition D&D. And they all do it a little bit differently. Pathfinder is a very automated character creation. You can know nothing about Pathfinder, and it has the step-by-step. You just click on the next button and make your choice. Mm -hmm. The 13th Age one, while everything is in there and all of the math and all of the automation is in there and it's wonderful, it's really almost easier to make your character on paper and then go because you basically have to say, oh, I have these powers and it's just a big table of powers. So you type in each power and drag it over to your character sheet. I have these feats. You got to drag it over to the character sheet. It doesn't take necessarily any more time. It just is not an automated feature of the yeah, module. And that's what I did is I took a character I already had, created it in Fantasy Grounds, just created it, found the feats, whatever I needed powers. Couldn't do it with the Zerk. Well, even though uh, they don't have 13th Age Glorantha, I took my Berserker and I just— You were able to build it. I, I built it, yeah, yeah. And I just had to cut and paste mm-hmm. from the PDF into this for the power description so I knew what it did. Yeah. But, yeah, so you can do it. But all the other standard stuff is there. So you just got to click and drag and— it's great. Uh, I will say from the GM side, the automation for the monsters is fantastic. Just drag, and even for the players, I mean, you you were playing around with that last night where you can just drag your attack and it rolls it. If you actually have tokens on the map, what's neat is if Nick selects his target as the red dragon and rolls his attack, it will tell him immediately whether he is successful or not because it will compare the attack role versus the defense that the attack is listed against mm-hmm. versus that monster's defense. Mm-hmm. So it, it does automate a lot of it in a way that I don't think you necessarily need at the table, but is a cool bell and whistle of the, of the thing. What are some of the features as you've seen it of fantasy grounds that you have thought, man, that's awesome. I know we talked about the language thing is just a lot mm-hmm. of fun. They actually have special scripts for most of the common languages in F20 games. And if you toggle your language to the one you speak, 
it's only going to give it'll show that you're speaking in it like it'll put up the the script the elven script but if you don't have elven listed on your character sheet it won't provide the translation for you which is very cool but becca what what were some of the what were some of the like two features that you thought this is really cool so in playing with characters the other night um I increased the level from first level to fifth level, just clicked on the damage dice and it automatically ended up rolling five dice. Um, And so just like not having to worry about counting out everything that you have. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being automated like that. That was pretty cool. The dice rolling is fun. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but it is. You can like define your dice color and it has dice physics. And when you roll them, if it's a roll that everybody can see. Everyone gets to see the die bouncing around, which yeah. is just a, a neat little effect because you are looking for that 20 to come up. Although as a player, it's a little bit disconcerting to see these shadow dice oh, being right. rolled because then you know the GM's rolling something. And I, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never <laughs> seen I've never experienced the table from that side. <laughs> it's terrifying because you just watch it and all the players all look at each other and we're like, oh, no. Especially when it goes from one die to suddenly he's rolling like seven dice. Right. Like, what is going on? Run away. <laughs> okay. So what's, what's another thing that you like about it? I don't know. Like, I mean, we've mentioned the languages. The tokens, figuring those out finally uh, was nice on the, all the different maps that you can see. Um, it's it's just kind of a fun program mm-hmm. that you can sit and you can really feel like you're just playing on it. Yeah. Uh, it does automate a lot of the, like you can, as the GM, do loot rolls or rune rolls mm-hmm. or... Demon or dragon power rolls. I don't know why one would be looking at that, but you could do that. Um, Nick, what about you? I think that one of the the cool things about it is I think it creates a more of a collaboration type experience for the players. Uh, The fact that you can view the shared party loot or the shared party gear, um, you're not relying on one person to be keeping track of it all. And then if that person doesn't show up that night, how much gold do we really have? Mm -hmm. How many of these healing potions do we really have? You you just click on that and you can see that full list there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in that context, it's, it's the same thing with the notes. I was going to, that was one of my things. Yeah. uh, Being able to, everyone being able to uh, contribute notes and type stuff up and keep track of things, you know, flagging key NPCs that you want to keep track of or goals that you're working on. Um, Again, you know, in, in that same thought, typically there's a player or two who are, who are good about taking notes at the table. Mm -hmm. And if they're not there, sometimes the party flounders. Mm -hmm. So um, having all of that stored um, there in a way that everyone can access it and everyone can benefit from that, um, I I think is a huge asset. Yeah, I would agree with that. I like the fact that it provides a repository for the players who want to contribute to that that's available to everyone. Mm -hmm. And one of the ones that I like is it's not space intensive for... uh, I mean, you, you install it on a computer, so I have all of my hard drive space to save the notes and the maps and the tokens that I'm using. I'm not worried about, well, is this going to fill up or it's just, it's on my hard drive and you know, there we go. Uh, And one other thing that I I really liked about it that I just discovered is that there's a bar at the bottom of the screen that you can drag all of your quick rolls or your frequently accessed rolls to that area and just quick click on that and you've got it ready to go. Well, so and it's not just rolls. You can drag your character sheet. You can drag notes. And what I discovered is 
it's what one through twelve, I think, is like the bars. So. Unless you press, you can do Control one through twelve, Alt, Shift, or any combination. I think you end up having hundred and forty-four different quick access bars that you can assign per campaign, <laughs> per player. And where I can see that really coming in handy is you. You're not having to constantly be searching through your character sheet to mm-hmm. click on the combat dice roll. It's mm-hmm. you click on the, the the button down there, and you've got your roll. Um, the thirteenth age character that I, I spun up was for a ranger that had all the the double melee attacks, the double uh, ranged attacks, and the rolls for damage are different depending on if you're going to be double firing or not. And so, being able to do a quick control option for that same number, um, and then just you know, quickly toggle that to, mm-hmm. to swap out the damage. It, it speeds a lot of things up. Uh, from the GM, I w- I've been using it. I'll put my encounter sheet down there, and I'll put the map down there, and then I'll put each of the monsters down there for that week's fight so I can quickly just go, crap, how much damage does the Baylor's aura do? Oh, there we go. That much damage, and you're dead. Um <laughs> Mark, what about you? What stood out as like a feature that because you've mentioned well, that you would use it just on the side, like yes, and have not having used it um, as a virtual tabletop and played in it. What I saw just as a, from a GM point when we messed with yours, and I saw the GM part of it. Um, I just like the organization, especially like our thirteenth age at the game store. There's a lot of players, mm-hmm. so instead of three by fives, you can have everybody there. You can do your secret roles. So everyone's there and talking and has all their notes, but you can have all your stuff organized. And you can, again, instead of opening up or printing out the Baylor page, you can just go control 10, Baylor, boom. And you can look, oh, look, here's my die roll. <laughs> Mara, she just took 160 points. Uh, I think I may actually try that for next month's game. Like yeah, it's just, a, it's just an easy way to organize it and all your notes are there. So all yeah. your prep is, you know. No, huh. if, if you were running it just as the GM, would you even need an internet connection, or could that no, all of that be run locally? You can all you can run it all locally. Um, yeah, it's actually. I think I may actually try it at the next store, and we'll just do like a an update, mm-hmm. if you will. But I have to say, the two things that I like the most are the party sheet, which is where you mm-hmm. can keep track of XP if you're using XP or advancements. It actually. Did you notice there's a part of the spot on the character sheet to take your incremental advancements? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I thought was brilliant. Um, but the party sheet lets me go, okay, at a glance, what's everyone's hit points at? What's everyone's AC, physical defense, mental defense? What's their initiative bonus? Um, and the combat tracker, which automates initiative. It's very easy to kind of move around. And I really like the ability to say... The dragon is breathing on the three of you. Sweet. Here, here's who's hit. Here's who's not. It doesn't necessarily, like I said, it's not a bell or whistle that I'm like, I can't live without. But it does speed up the game just that much. And as Becca was saying, like especially when you get to like level nine or ten. All right. Well, you're rolling ten d ten for damage. It's a lot easier to let the computer do that and just watch the dice than it is to. To kind of every round, or if you have multiple attacks, be like, all right, well, you know, here's 10d8 and 10d8 because I'm double swing. Yeah, and one of my attacks yesterday, I rolled, ended up rolling seven damage dice, and just the amount of time it took for me to just add up all seven of those dice, it's like, you do that for every single turn, and it, it breaks a little bit of that illusion of immersion. Yeah, and so having all of that uh, automated is helpful. But, so Fantasy Grounds is a client, and what we mean by that is it's a piece of software. Now, 
there are multiple ways to look at it. I'm going to kind of outline at least two of them. Uh, they have a, a monthly subscription and then they have a one time you buy it and you're done. Now that's just for the client. So if you do a monthly subscription, it's either $3.99 for the basic subscription or $9.99 a month for the ultimate subscription. And really what the difference is, uh, I have the ultimate subscription so that no one has to have purchased Fantasy Grounds. If I'm running a game, you just have to have the free version of the client. You can jump on, you can play. If the group is like, hey, we all want to play, give this a try. Everybody, if everybody has the standard version for $3.99 a month, that's fine. Anybody can run a game with other standard level clients and jump on. The one-time fees are $40 for the the standard or $149 for the ultimate. And these they come with Pathfinder and the SRD of 5E already preloaded. Kind of the one of the downsides of their model if you want to call it a downside, because they are putting a lot of time into making sure each module has like everything. Um, you have to buy each individual rule set. So for 13th age, you have the basic rule book with all of the powers and feats and character options and races and monsters and blood and lightning is in, is in there is included as well. So like the first adventure and they have the best year and each of those cost as well. Now, only the person who's the GM needs to buy the the modules. So if I for you guys, I have the modules for 13th age, I get the game up and running, you can log in and have access to all of the player side of the modules for free with an ultimate license. Um the rule set for 13th age is 45 bucks. Um the best eerie one is $20 and hopefully we'll see more and more of these start to come out. Yeah, there was a plug on the forum that 13, someone was working on 13 true ways, but that seemed to have uh, hit a, a roadblock somewhere along the way. Mm. Mm. Uh, but maybe. 13, I, I know very little about programming and for how smoothly Fantasy Ground works, I can only imagine the amount of time and effort it goes into not just building the database for these things, but then testing it to make sure it all works well and it all works with what's come before and it will work with what comes after. So it is, it's got a steep learning curve and it is pretty pricey to get into. Is there anything else that having used it that you guys kind of see as a, a negative, a, a hiccup, something that just doesn't sit as well with you as some of the other things? Uh, two things that come to mind. One is, and, and you've already mentioned this, there is no native audio or video support with Fantasy Grounds. So you will have to go and find another option to handle that piece of this. So whether that be Discord or Hangouts or Zoom or Skype or, or whatever that is, I mean, you will have to figure something else mm -hmm. um, in addition to that. And the other thing that caught my eye is that this is designed for Windows. So if you're running Mac or if you're running Linux, you can install it, but it will be using the Wine wrapper for for it, but all of the coding and all of the effort that's going into this is specifically for Windows, though they have ported it to the other ones. And you know, I'm I run a Windows computer, so it doesn't affect me. But I know that will be an issue for some other people. Well, and you bring up a good point. It is a client. It is a an installable software. So if you have like a Chromebook, you will not be able to use it. So it does require. It doesn't require a lot of horsepower at all. But it does require like a full Windows machine or a full Mac machine to actually get it up and running and install it and moving forward on it. What about you, Mark? Anything 
Stood out? Uh, no, the only thing um, is slightly is the price after you've got all the books and the put outfits. But if you see what it does, that stuff doesn't come free. I mean, it works yeah. really nice, really smooth. It, there's no no delay. There's no hangups that I found yet that, that didn't work. I had to play with my Berserker, but I did a Paladin too, and it was fine. Everything was right there. Oh, Smite Evil, there it is. Click, yeah. drag, click, drag. It was fine. So I liked it. And if, if you're... Again, you can do this all over the world. So if you're a role player in Iceland and you just can't find a group, this is the thing for you. Mm-hmm. You can find people in England, in Europe, here in America, wherever, and they can log on to the group and you can play. Yeah. Actually, the last time we played our Pathfinder game, at some point my character wasn't involved in whatever was going on and I was looking at the maps. And I found like a dozen tokens that had been left on the maps. And I, of course, my OCD kicked in and I had to get rid of them all. But like, it was just kind of one of those funny things of, I was wondering if it was a glitch or, or if when we had left these maps, we just left our tokens there and so then they automatically shrunk them and moved them and, but it, it drove me crazy. And so I spent like <laughs> 13 minutes or something like removing each token from this map. And then people were like, Hey, what's your character doing? I was like, what? <laughs> oh, and suddenly it all makes sense. Yeah. Um, so overall, final thoughts, like before we get into kind of our review, do you think it's worth it, at least from what you've experienced? What are you like? We'll start with you, Nick. Like kind of what is your overall thought on it? Advice to people getting into the game or experienced 13th agers? So I've, I've done a lot of playing both in person and playing online and playing a hybrid of both of them. And I think this is a really good piece of software. I think it's a really good product. Um, the price seems very salty at first, mm-hmm. but you know, honestly, if you, if you break it down and you figure, even if we're just going to run that 10 session uh, version of 13th age, and that's all we're going to be doing, um, it ends up breaking down like um, 10 or $15 per session. And I'm more than willing to spend that to go see a movie somewhere. Right. And that's only two hours, you know, a session is four hours. Um, so there, there's that aspect of it, though it is paying all of it up front. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that as a player, I am more than willing to contribute something to my GM because I know and I value how much effort that they are putting into it. There's two options of acquiring this as a large group. Either everyone shells out the $40 or the $3 a month. Um, everyone gets that standard license or everyone kicks in 10 bucks to the GM. Mm-hmm. The GM buys it all and everyone just gets to play. Mm-hmm. And you've given something to the GM to express your appreciation. Right. Yeah. So while it seems uh, like a very steep thing, a very prohibitive thing up front, I don't think it's I don't think it's that bad. Well, and I do like the fact that when you when the person who's running the game buys the module, the players basically get the module as well mm-hmm. when they're playing that game. But yeah, and I will say as Nick's GM, it's <laughs> one it has been an unexpected like pleasure to get these little like thank you things. I mean, you helped you helped when we did other virtual tabletop stuff. I I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think it's worth it. I mean, don't take it like uh, it's too expensive. Don't get it. no. It's a little pricey, but if you really look at it too, it's okay. It's three game books. Mm-hmm. And you can we try buy that out stuff for all the month. time. And you, we're an average yeah. group. We don't. Mm-hmm. Well, Jam's a little over the top, but the rest of us are kind of average players. Jam buys everything. Not you guys everything. Well, you, yeah. I stay and we like it. We like it. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're exposed us to a lot of stuff that, like, oh, what's this? Oh, yeah, you bought this new 7C stuff. What's this about? Oh, mm-hmm. Thea. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I like, I was thinking about the same thing Nick said. It's nothing to take a group and say, hey, 
if you guys chip in, we'll have this. Because it's usually the one person that always GMs. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's 10 bucks, and you'll get it. We sign up for free, and we can play. Yeah. That way, if I can't make it, hey, I'm on a business trip in California, I'll log in. Instead of just doing Skype, you can have my character on the screen, yeah. see my roles, communicate yeah. with me, and do everything. I yeah. like it. And I just had the thought, too, that if you wanted to try it, you know, everyone paying 3 or $4 a month, saying, we're, we're going to try this for a couple of months. I mean, that that's a pretty low entry point in that regard. Yeah, I was going to say that as well. Like, and then even if you did buy the, the standard license outright, I mean, upgrading it to the, the ultimate, it's you end up paying the same price either mm -hmm. way. What about you, Becca? Anything like what are your kind of final thoughts and experiences with? I would definitely say that if you're going to play on it to take some time and learn where everything is before you start playing your game with everybody else. Yeah. And then that way, once the game starts and you do have people who are asking, where's this, where's that? At least somebody in the group knows. Yeah. Spinning off of that. If you got Matt Coville has done a YouTube video on fantasy grounds, fantasy grounds has done a lot of excellent work in providing, I think an understanding that there's a learning curve there. There are, hours of youtube videos if i come into something where i don't know what it how to work a quick google search usually leads me to a video or an article that they have produced that explains it yeah. super easily for you oh yeah when i signed up for the free version so i could log on to yours it's like one of the first things you get is click here read through these instructions on how to use mm -hmm. the software right from the get-go they don't they don't try to hide it right up front to tell you you need to watch this so you're not completely lost yeah. so it helps now from a GMing's perspective one of the things that i like about it is as i said i have castles and crusades and fifth edition and pathfinder and the pathfinder 2 playtest that they're constantly updating and 13th age it's one platform that allows you to do a ton of different things on it by just purchasing these little modules. And it, and we don't really see it yet for 13th Age. I hope that they do Eyes of the Stone Thief. But for like Castles and Crusades, their adventures and the way they take a physical product and make it a digital product is top notch. But the other the other thing is if you get it, go to the forums. There are so many people who are making fan versions, so they're free versions of games, systems, using basically like the core, I think it's like the core RPG, their generic RPG interaction software. I've got second edition AD&D, I grabbed a Rifts one, I mean, some of them are better than others, but so what? Like, I mean, there are fans who are producing material that you don't have to design, you don't have to learn the software program for. And they may not be perfect. They may not be as polished as the paying ones, but they're there. You can find Numenera's on there. No, so I was going to say, like, when you said you have all these games, so you you buy one Ultimate, and then you just get the modules for the different game systems. So mm -hmm. it's not like you have to buy this over and over again. It's once, and then you – and there's a, I saw that in the demo when I had the, the show. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes with the Ultimate yeah. already. And and if you like Fantasy 20 games, D&D uh, &D and Pathfinder are wildly supported. So I think we kind of covered, I personally hope that they do more 13th age books for what I would really like to see is the book of loot one and two. I think 13 true ways needs to get out there so that Kawanishi can join <laughs> the 13th age game. Um, man, if they could do 13th age Glorantha, that would just be, 
give him, give him some time. Yeah. That, that's a big book. That is a big book. <laughs> and it just came out. And Well, you know what? I can dream. Yes, you can. You can either get their products through fantasygrounds.com or you can get them on Steam. And the reason I mention Steam is Steam routinely has sales and Fantasy Grounds routinely goes on sale and you can get it. 33, 25% off. So if you're interested in it and you're doing the monthly purchase, you can get modules, you can get rule sets, you can get the game on sale if you're willing to wait just a little bit. Personally, I've stopped using other virtual tabletops since I transitioned to Fantasy Grounds. We'll probably do other episodes if you guys are interested. Let us know on some of the other options for 13th Age. But the fact that I could pay once and be done and not worry about a reoccurring fee or anything like that was really attractive for me. And once once you invest, yes, you have to learn how, like where does Pathfinder's character sheet store things like you would do with any game. Mm-hmm. But the interface knowledge transfers game to game to game. Well, any final thoughts on Fantasy Grounds? I think we're all giving it a thumbs up. I think, yeah, I think yep. so. So, um, well done, Fantasy Grounds, on the first couple of books that have come out for 13th Age. And golf clap. Golf clap. <laughs> golf clap. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap the episode on Fantasy Grounds or the 13th Age stuff on Fantasy Grounds? I'd say that if you have had any experience with Fantasy Grounds and running 13th Age or playing in 13th Age that uh, you feel like we've missed something, definitely leave <laughs> us a comment on uh, the website, and uh, we'd, we'd love to engage in that conversation. Remember, you can support the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash iconic podcast, or you can use our Amazon referral link, which is found in the show notes to do online shopping. Well, you've been listening to the iconic podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can contact us at iconic at gmail.com or call and leave a voicemail at 720-924-1706. And be sure to check out iconic for news updates and new episodes. Thanks for listening.